Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to FT Work and Careers podcast. I'm Emma Jacobs and joining me today to discuss the very important topic, how to switch off for summer, is Andrew Hill, Management Editor. Hello. Hello. And Andre Spicer, Professor of Organisational Behaviour at Cass Business School. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we ran a piece on FT.com last week asking people how to switch off for summer and we got quite a varied response. Um, mostly people seem to be struggling with their smartphones and uh, so Wi-Fi free zones seem to work the best. Others hiked, played with their kids, wrote fiction even. Um, mine was to read a novel properly, block all apps from my phone and delete email and then start day- daytime drinking, which <laughs> seemed to get the best <laughs> response from the readers. Uh, Andre, what's your strategy? <laughs> well, I think similar to yours, uh, partially a bit of reading, uh, partially doing things which I don't have time to do, like you know a bit of walking around, swimming if there's some water nearby, uh, playing with kids, which often ends up more like uh, a lot of looking after kids, so it turns into a lot of work rather than a play, and um, generally trying to switch off and just stare at the sky for a little bit. Do you not think? Do you not find yourself thinking of things or worrying about stuff? Well, of course, always, yeah. always. So I tend to have the kind of same response, which many of your readers would have. I see this is a perfect opportunity to do work uninterrupted and so on. But then you start feeling guilty that you must relax and you must calm down <laughs> and you must not do anything. Um, and then sometimes out of this, uh, new ideas appear. Sometimes you just get to switch off for a bit of time. Um, and sometimes it turns into a rather stressful kind of coordinations and logistics exercise, which is maybe something which we can get onto a bit later. Andrew, I mean, you've got the problem that, I mean, you've got the blessing rather that Andre and I don't have, which is your kids are older. Yes, that's true. And it's true that when they were younger, the it's all consuming trying to keep them busy. But gradually, as they've got older, particularly on the type of holiday, which is more of a uh, sunshine and uh, um, uh, full relaxation holiday, if you like. It's it's always reading for me that I end up doing. But I do think, rather boringly, to go back a step, I find it easier to switch off if I've got myself ready for going away. So that's probably easier to do as a journalist because you know there are certain deadlines and certain things that need to be written and filed before you head off on holiday. But the the fewer things that are dragging over into the holiday, of course, the less likely you are to be tempted to check where everybody is on progress towards goals and so on. Maybe a uniquely journalistic thing, but I find it very easy to switch off if I have um, only a few things that I know are still hanging over me. And we've had some tips from readers. Um, Andrew, I wonder if you could read out a couple. Sure. So this is from Ashamed. Uh, 
Here's a radical idea. Have an out-of-office automatic email that tells people you will be deleting all emails received over the duration of your break and anything important should be sent on the date you get back. You are bound to miss nothing important. Sounds a little optimistic to me. Uh, then there is hashtag spot on says maybe employers should have a duty to include tips on how to effectively hand over work or switch off when on holiday as part of efficiency training rather than rely on our employees, some of whom don't feel they can entirely switch off and therefore are putting their long term health at risk. That last one sounds to me uh, like it's got a grain of truth in it. I think a lot of the things that a lot of advice that we get um, or that we uh, gather from people comes from the top. It's bosses saying, I get to switch off this way. And I think about juniors who are uh, worrying about what's important, what might be useful, uh, whether they need to uh, keep going in order to not fall behind when they return to work. So there, there's a sort of grain of truth in having a little bit of coaching about what's expected and how much, um, what are the good strategies. I mean, sometimes holidays are the best time to catch up on thinking work or I mean not just the sort of abstract thinking but the actual it's free time to actually catch up I mean that is a problem isn't it yeah so one of the issues I guess with holidays is that uh, people when they go on holiday they still have this kind of uh, what's called rumination at work it's basically work-based rumination so they're constantly thinking about work and there's a lot of uh, social scientific studies which show that basically if you have high what they call workplace rumination it tends to be related with all sorts of really bad health effects like uh, um, he uh, heart problems uh, anxiety depression um, uh, even lower back pain so the question is can you switch that off and one of the things which we know is that when people go away on work, they still have in the back of their mind ideas ticking over of this hasn't been done and that hasn't been done. This is the so-called Zaganic effect, right? If something hasn't been done, you're more likely to remember it in the back of your mind. So the big question is, how do you switch those things off? Well, some of the things you can get completed, get done, but then there's certain things, particularly if you're in a managerial job or a large corporation where nothing's ever finished, uh, how do you deal with that? And that's, I guess, one of the big questions. Yeah, I, I would. That goes back to my point. Oh, I think the point there is that if you are doing a continuous job, or if you're inevitably in mid-project when you take the break, uh, you're going to have to find a way of making sure that either you've agreed not to be engaged with it at all, or you're going to have to find a way in which you can catch up with it perhaps at intervals during your break I mean I think realistically most people do go on checking their email although that's maybe a separate subject that we should come to um, but not allowing that to swamp the way in which you're thinking through the whole day is, is probably critical. Yeah I think one of the readers on uh, on the story said that he had spent his whole family holiday in Ibiza checking his email and then his wife rebuked him when he got back and he thought actually I've been a complete idiot by wasting my entire holiday and never did it again but I think there's a there's a difference between what you say you do on holiday and what you actually do on holiday I mean at one end there's the kind of Instagram showing off I've had an amazing time this is me in my massive villa with my beautiful children and then there's also the kind of looking productive and the kind of, you know, I'm thinking of Tim Ferriss, the kind of, uh, you know, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and reflect on the day's goals 
but also they extend this into the holiday period. I mean, that's something you've looked into a bit, isn't it? Yeah, so we, we see our holiday as an extension of our kind of self-work project. So when we go on our holiday, uh, we have some great opportunities to take perfect Instagram shots, to develop our mindfulness, to become better mountain climbers, uh, uh, become better at making mountain che- goat cheese or whatever you might do. The holiday becomes a kind of a, an opportunity for this. Um, and we know realistically it takes a long time to develop any kind of skill. So you're not going to be able to do this in a short period of time. But what you can do perhaps is to reconnect with things which you may have found meaningful in the past, whether that's reading books, uh, windsurfing or um, doing carpentry, some people find interesting. Uh, or maybe try and experiment with things that you might find interesting in the future, whether that might be, um, I don't know, art, appreciation of art, uh, building sandcastles, whatever. So the idea is that the holiday can be a kind of a, become a break where uh, you can kind of experiment with different skills, identities, different selves, which is a really important thing to have is this sort of repertoire of different selves, which we have rather than just the one self, which is the work self. And because we know... If you just have that, if the job happens to go away because you retire or get fired or whatever, then you're in deep trouble. Whereas people who have a big repertoire of selves often fare far better when these crises happen. But also this idea of busyness as a badge of uh, status and, you know, I'm so busy, I'm needed on holiday, you know, just can't switch off from emails, someone important will need me. And, uh, you know, I've done it on holiday where I've checked and, of course, no one's contacted me that's important and these things can wait because I am not that important after all. I mean, clearly I've got a different role to a CEO who might be somewhat more important, but but there's a sort of lot of status attached to how busy you are. I think that's right. And I think actually the idea of there are two ideas here really aren't there there's the one that says um i am uh, so important that even my holiday is important and therefore i'm going to show off and social media has fueled this and show what great things i'm doing while i'm on holiday and i think you know the obvious um it, obviously it is useful to have that time to experiment with different selves but Uh, I think a lot of people are experimenting with different selves and then boasting about it, which makes, to (laughs) me, the holiday making as stressful as the as the business part. And then, as you suggest, there is the idea of um, uh, the big bosses who are always going to be busy and always going to be online. This has kind of ebbed and flowed a bit, though, over the years, hasn't it? Because there's the vexed question of the out of office reply. Should you have it on all the time? thus indicating to people that you are on holiday. That used to be regarded as a bad thing. You were showing that you weren't up for the work. And then it's become almost, in recent years, I think our ex-colleague Lucy Calloway wrote yes. about this it, last year or two years ago, it's become a badge of, um, you know, some to show that you were away for three weeks and you couldn't be contacted was then regarded as a, in itself a status symbol. Mm. I mean, the, but... But the tech is a big thing that people struggle with. I struggle with it. I don't know. Do you struggle with it, Andrew? My struggle is slightly aided, particularly when we're on holiday in southern Spain, by the fact that uh, we now don't even bother getting the Wi-Fi set up. So the children complain that they can't be connected, but everyone else is rather relieved to be able to genuinely say that they can't be reached um, at uh, the house that we use in Spain. 
Yep. Andre, how are you? Yeah, we came with the perfect solution a few years ago, which was to go on a holiday in uh, a small valley in North Wales with no no connection, no phone, no nothing whatsoever, uh, which was fantastic for a few days until we sort of went to the end of the valley and got a message <laughs> saying that our house had been burgled. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, over the years, uh, companies have tried to implement various holiday strategies, um, such as switching off the server while you're, well, at weekends, I think it is, and also um, giving people the option to cull their emails when they're away and and be very clear about whether they're doing, whether they're answering them or not, and that they'll be deleted while they're away. Do you think these things work, or do you think it's sort of draconian and, and should be a personal choice? Well, I, I think on the one hand, it kind of cr- provides people with a sort of mental relief that they don't have to check their emails constantly. Um, so that's good. And it also provides a bit of a sort of a work-life barrier, a kind of clear barrier. Um, the danger is that people will then still be thinking about it and worrying about it. And one of the reasons why is that holidays can be very stressful, right? Uh, not just from <laughs> planning and so on, but it's one of the few times that people subject themselves to personal relationships for 24 hours a day. And one of the reasons, uh, one of the, the the results of that is that divorce rates actually spike after the holiday season. <laughs> so we tend to see that holidays can actually be a time where people spend their time talking with each other, working through relationships, and often that can have very negative consequences. So sometimes email and work is actually an escape from the difficult stuff of human relationships. I haven't seen, I don't know whether you have, Andre, that any data, we often report that they usually seem to be German or French companies have said that there's going to be an email um, embargo after a certain hour or during a certain period. But I, I don't think I've seen any research that shows what actually happens after that, whether it works, whether they revert to... Uh, opening up email again, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I have not seen that data either, so it would be an interesting thing for a, a French or German researcher out there yeah. to do a study on it. <laughs> I mean, and uh, how important is delegation? Uh, do you delegate to anybody? I, I put it now in my out-of-office reply, the emails that people can reach for the two or three areas where people might want to contact me. Um, and obviously the weekly column that I write is delegated to somebody when I'm away. I mean, I think in general terms for, for, more, for more general management roles, it's pretty important. And I, but there are two f- facets to that. One is actually delegating, finding the person who's going to, going to do that role. And the other one is then letting that person do the role while you're away. Because the worst type of delegation is the one when, where you are still hovering over them from a phone on Ibiza or... Um, from a yacht off the Greek islands in, in, and pestering them about stuff that you can't genuinely help out with because you're not there. Yeah, absolutely. So in some ways, this is actually an opportunity to kind of enrich your colleagues' jobs, give them a bit of time to try out uh, managerial roles and develop their skills. The other thing which is interesting about going on holidays and trying to switch off is the importance of we think it's just about managing yourself and managing your inbox, but it's actually about the people around you. Um, So there's a Japanese study which showed that basically the people who were most likely to spend their time thinking about work often had very, uh, they were either going on, they didn't go on holiday with other, lots of other people around them who forced them to switch off. Um, or they went away on holiday with other people from work, so they were constantly talking about work and so on. <laughs> that sounds so, horrendous. So the question is, who do you go on holiday with, and do you have people around you who, who sort of stop you from from engaging in, in the picking up the mobile phone and those kind of things? 
I mean, I've read quite a few interviews with CEOs who say, I, or maybe not as grand a CEO, but um, managers who will say that they carve a set time a day that they will talk to their deputy if there are any problems that need to come up, otherwise that then they're offline. Do you think this works or do you think it just infantilises the deputy? Well, I think it's it could work, I suppose, if you were saying I'm going to be available at a certain time of day and then you weren't stressing about it. I think if you were calling in every day, that that might be a bit annoying, a bit like a parent constantly wanting to check in with their children when they've allowed them to uh, go off and do something independently. Um, I mean, I, I do think that there is, in, in the vexed question of whether one should ignore email for the entire um, three weeks or whatever it might be, I, I do think there's some, I've found there is some value in occasionally checking because it just releases the pressure of um, thinking that there's going to be a huge build-up of issues. And actually, that's where I find the out-of-office response is useful because if you train yourself to say okay that's an optional response and some they've already received something that says I'm away and that person will almost certainly get back to me having noted that, that I'm coming back on such and such a date so I think a combination of that if you were the boss with the delegated um, deputy could work quite well but it, it does require a lot of self-discipline and the, not necessarily to the self-discipline that some bosses have cultivated during the <laughs> during their work. I mean, I guess we have to, you know, lots of people report when they go on holiday and put an out-of-office uh, response on that the issues sort themselves out before they even get to them. Uh, so it's one of these lovely things that you get back and it's like, oh, that's not an issue anymore. And you begin to realise how much of your finickety kind of uh, email chains are actually rather you know, pointless, or sometimes it's just about keeping on top of each of these things. I guess the other thing is that um, sometimes this constant rumination about work is associated with a kind of decline, what we what psychologists call executive function, which is basically the brain kind of thinking about what it's thinking about. So things like uh, memory, uh, reflection on being able to order tasks and so forth. And what psychologists find is that it's actually, if you if you ruminate constantly, there's about a 2.8 to 5 times more failure in executive functions like that's being able to organise tasks, being able to remember things, uh, being able to kind of reflect on what's important and what's not. So actually being able to force yourself from stop thinking about work all the time, these things which are really important for a manager actually can uh, improve. That's a real skill to develop. I mean, if you say stop ruminating, then it just makes me ruminate. I mean, that's that, that's always <laughs> the like problem with yeah, yeah meditation. Well, the question becomes, what do you ruminate about, right? So, you know, we're all great at sort of thinking about things, but then the question is, can we push that thinking into things which are, you know, other things which might be, you know, Sudoku or <laughs> reading a book, as we've all reported, or, you know, building something or, uh, you know, doing whatever else which might target that kind of rumination onto something rather than just constantly thinking about your inbox the whole time. Yes, I mean, I, I wrote about uh, some work that appeared in Harvard Business Review recently by Michael Porter and Nitin Noria, the dean of Harvard Business School, which was looking at how executives divided up their time, which is a, which is a time-honoured way of examining how managers work. And it seemed to me risky, the idea that you had to parcel out every single hour of your day. I, I, I like the idea that if you were going to do that, at least you should have some time that was entirely free, where you could just, as, as has been suggested, where you could just look at the sky or um, 
frankly do nothing. Mm. Um, this absence of slack in the system seems to me seems to me to be something that's a bit dangerous, not just in holiday time, but also in uh, in, in in normal work time. Yeah. I think that's where the daytime drinking comes in handy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, um, Laura, um, I spoke to Laura Noonan actually. Exercise is another thing that came up in the piece, and. Um, Laura Noonan is one half of our Fit Hack duo and they're doing a challenge. And so we talked about um, what her routine was on holiday. I'll just play this to you. I think a lot of people who exercise regularly, you get kind of anxious if you haven't exercised properly in a couple of days. For me, going three or four days without doing any proper exercise wouldn't be a break. It would make me feel kind of restless. I tend to run more on holidays, particularly if I'm somewhere where it's nice to run, because one of the things about running is it very much depends on the scenery that you're in. And if you're in a beautiful part of the world, and if the weather isn't too hot or isn't too rainy, like running can be a really nice way to explore that. Going for a run on your own can be a nice way to get a break from a group holiday, to get some kind of time to yourself. Because I don't know if you've been on these holidays where you have you know, three or four people together on a holiday, spending all of your time together. It's actually quite nice to have something that you do on your own or else maybe I'm just really odd for thinking that, but it's quite nice to be able to get up at six, seven in the morning, go for a run on your own and come back. Does that resonate with either of you? Yeah. So the reason I go running on holidays to escape my children for a few <laughs> hours <laughs> or an hour or so. Um, but uh, yeah, that's right. It's some scenery and also some time to kind of ruminate and reflect and actually feel like you have a kind of downtime and then you return uh, and, it, and it can be rather pleasurable. I mean, what that... Um, piece makes me think about is that you know it's basic personality type thing right so you might have extroverts who thrive on interaction and other people being around them and then the classic introverted holiday maker would want more time on their own uh, more time to read books and to reflect and uh, would see kind of group activities as being a stressor rather than a, a kind of something which is beneficial yeah, I think I can safely say I've never been running on <laughs> when on holiday, although I do go running sometimes uh, at work uh, to break into work. But the um, the idea of having an entirely sedentary holiday is also a little bit anathema to me. I mean, I think the the flip side of the type of, of the ways that I switch off, one is the one is the reading and being able to or drawing or being able to do something that is is more um mindful if you like and uh, relaxing in that way and the other one is the sort of full-on skiing holiday or a holiday where, where last year we went on a road trip around california where i did all the driving and that was sort of that's full-on you know active all the time in in one way but running at six in the morning not my thing <laughs> and uh, i suppose the important thing about holidays is how you come back as well so you don't stress out I mean not the the, the uh, airports so much as reacquainting yourself with work I mean some people I spoke to for a piece last year said that they they like to set they like to leave their family behind on holiday and then set aside three days of their holiday to reacquaint themselves with work which seemed a bit um hardly seem worth going on holiday but I mean I think there are various strategies some people say they leave a day some people I mean how do you come back to work Andre? I mean I, t I tend to sort of put aside a bit of time to catch up uh, to sort of reacquaint and there's always some degree of anxiety can I be motivated again all those kind of things uh, what am I doing here what's the point of all of this 
but part of it is a re-reflection re on priorities. Um, the other thing is that when most people get back from holiday, um, often they are no happier or less happier than they were before they went on holiday. Uh, and when this, you know, happiness psychologist disaggregated this data, what they found was there's a big difference between whether people have been on a very stressful holiday or whether people have been on a less stressful holiday. So people have been on very stressful holidays, you know, the classic American one and a half week trip around Europe where you're going to a new city every single day and fighting on the train, all that sort of stuff. That's very stressful and you get back and you're less happy. Whereas if you go to somewhere you've been before or somewhere where you know, you know the routines, that can be very relaxing. So the point here would be prepare yourself a little bit before you go on holiday. Uh, know the place a bit or get a bit of local knowledge and then you're more likely to have a less stressful holiday and come back a bit more happy. That's certainly, it's certainly true that knowing the place, I mean, maybe this is a sign of encroaching old age, but going back to the same places uh, does get the holiday both off to a better start, it's more relaxing, and then you, you can build in the gradual glide path back to work at the end. I mean, I tend to leave at least two nights back at home before returning to work. But I remember reading a piece that our colleague George Parker, our political editor, wrote about some extraordinary road trip he'd done around Europe where they appeared to have got the ferry back on the evening before uh, returning to work the next day. And I was just thinking of the stress of doing that with the children having to be ready for school and so on and so forth would, would have just completely offset any benefit of the previous two weeks well i hope you all have very nice holidays this summer that's it for us today my thanks to andrew hill and andre spicer and to our producer patricia nilsson thank you very much you two thank you thank you <laughs> it was fun. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.